Hi guys, this is David Negrin, host of the Script Podcast and executive director of the NYC Screenwriters Collective. I'm excited to announce that we've created a Patreon campaign for the script. Patreon is like a Kickstarter, but it allows you to give ongoing pledges every month and receive ongoing rewards. Of course, the Script Podcast will continue to be free, but we're just asking for a little help. So please, check out all our rewards, join our inner circle. Become a patron of The Script Podcast at patreon.com slash the script. But Everest is the most dangerous place on Earth. Human beings simply aren't built to function at the cruising altitude of a 747. This is The Script, the official podcast of the NYC Screenwriters Collective. Tonight, we summit Everest. <laughs> Balthazar Kormakar of Contraband, of Two Guns, of Iceland, <laughs> directs the action disaster biopic Everest. Tonight with me are... Jeremy Engel Johnson, and as always, Jordan Rosengarten. Gentlemen. Hello. I have one thing to say. Cough, cough, Everest. Flemmy cough, cough, cough. Did, did you leave the theater feeling cold, David? <laughs> I, I was, uh, there was a lot of, uh, I don't know. I felt like I, they were, I felt like I was on the moon. I, I didn't get feel cold. I felt like a gasping for air. There was so much talk in this movie about oxygen. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had my allergy medicine uh, on, on standby because holy cow, I, uh, yeah, I felt that too. Um, where do we start? Uh, let's do our top three, you know, or, or, or three up, three down, right? Uh, or one up, one down. That's what we've been doing mostly. Yeah, yeah, I think one up, one down is, is appropriate. Or one up, ten down seems to be the way we oh, go a lot of the time. This, I thought you were a fan. You're not a fan? No, I actually, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and dive in. And um, I, I need to make a disclaimer before we get into this, which is that um, this was uh, a culmination of a long nerd fest for me. I, I, you know, I grew up in an outdoorsy family. My dad was a mountain climber. I read all the, you know, mountaineering epics growing up. And uh, I think I was like a freshman in college when this disaster happened. I I mean, I was an outside subscriber. I remember reading the original Krakauer article about this. You know, of course, everybody's read Into Thin Air, um, but it took them 20 years to make this movie and and come up with a decent uh, way of telling this story. Um, I guess 19 years to be accurate, but uh, there's a reason for it because it's, I mean, this is a watershed event in mountaineering history. This was, uh, this was the big disaster, you know, uh, what's happened in the Everest the last couple of years, you know, in some ways cast a different shadow, but, um, you know, for, for a long time, this was kind of the defining event, tell, I think. Tell me, tell us, give us the background of the, the mountain climbing, mountaineering world. Is that it? Oh yeah, and I'm not going to claim to be any expert. I mean, I'm I'm vaguely scared of heights. I, I do sports that involve you know going with gravity, not fighting. <laughs> you go them, up so. mountains to ski down them. <laughs> yeah, I've I've never I've never had to like you know use oxygen before. But um, I, I I think it's it's a a fascinating story, and it's one that a lot of people have written about uh, because um, in part, I mean, you've got to talk about. I thought a, people died on Everest. You know, every couple, every decade or so. You know, I thought it was a regular thing. 
Yeah, it, it, I think the, the death rates, it's like 20 or 25 percent. It's not good. I mean, this is not a good life choice. <laughs> Um, it's not, it's but, not a good decision. It's not a, it's not a vacation. It's, it's uh, something you want to do before you die, perhaps. They don't have Airbnbs forever. Yeah, but I think what made this situation unique is, and, and they, they get into it in the movie, and I'm glad that they tackled it, was you had um, this unprecedented situation with an outside journalist going on an Everest climb. I mean, it's pretty much the most dangerous assignment you could think of. I, I mean, uh, like 25% death rate, like, I mean, that's, that's more dangerous than most war zones. Uh, and so you have somebody uh, like Krakauer who was so uh, Ma- Michael Kelly's character. Krakauer was like a journalist going up Everest, and, and this is and doing Everest is that it's not a place for tourists. Like and and he wasn't a tourist. I mean, he he had uh, he was a a, a, a legitimate uh, I think you know mountaineering writer, and you know he he he'd I think been to about seventeen thousand feet, but he'd never been above that. Uh, and it took and what's Everest. Everest is like 28, 29. Um, so, you know, and, and that top, you know, above 25,000 is the death zone. Um, so I think he spent about a year deciding whether or not he was going to do it. Uh, there was a great article just this last week um, in Outside Magazine by the editor who sent him up there. Uh, wow. and, and there was a while there after, um, like, he made it back, um, but they hadn't accounted for him yet where, where he was missing and they thought he might be dead. Uh, so, you know, this was, uh, but uh, I was, that gets me to my point, which is that I think one of the reasons that this has become part of the, kind of the legend of Everest and such an important part of it is that you had this writer and you had this situation and you had all these words written about it. And uh, Krakauer's book, Into Thin Air, uh, is a bestseller. Um, it was also highly controversial. And, and the families of some of the other, uh, the, the other victims or the, the other, other deceased were, were angry about it. You know, there, there's, there's been competing accounts. Um, one of the main characters, I think, in the movie is Anatoly, Anatoly Bokharov. Uh, I probably just totally butchered that. But he wrote kind of a rebuttal. Um, there's been like 10 books well, written well, about can, this thing. Can we be clear about what happened up there i mean i this i was riveted by this movie uh from the second from the midpoint on it was pretty slow i thought it was going to be a total piece of shit frankly i thought it was going to be like every other movie i've seen on a mountain like the stallone one like what was that called (laughs) cliffhanger i thought this was like cliffhanger with a bunch of action stars but at the midpoint um you know when the bad guys close in begins it just goes to shit and i was like now we have some drama because it's not just like one of one of these guys is having trouble everybody's it was fast i was fascinated after that but i don't know you know who made a mistake i know i remember one point there was oxygen that was supposed to be there that wasn't i know there was a um you know john hawk's character uh Doug Hansen sort of pushed past the the time they were supposed to be on, and Rob Hall allowed him. I mean, first of all, how did they know that stuff happened if those dudes died? And second of all, you know what really went wrong up there? Can do you know? Can you explain yeah, that, Jeremy? Uh, from my understanding of of the events and and having read the Krakauer accounts and and just kind of looked into this, I think it was it was fairly accurate. Um, there are definitely some unknown things. So we know that they pushed past their turnaround time. Um, and we know that it was Doug Hansen who was kind of the, the person who was in back and that, and that Rob Hall hung back with him. Um, I mean, I, I'm excited to get to the part where we talk about structure 
um, in, in part, David, because I want to hear how you're going to break this thing down, because it, it is such a strange movie. I mean, it's like a Greek tragedy in the sense that hubris is, you know, there, there's various instances of hubris, and then all these people die because of it. Um, and, and, you know, it certainly doesn't feel like the hero's journey to me. Oh, it's tragedy. It's, yeah. It, this, this film is tragedy, and I didn't see that coming. Um, yeah, but it's like, as far as I can tell, it was... It was uh, a, a fairly, um, uh, they, they tried to be a, as close to what actually happened as they could. There are things that, that we don't know about um, that, that are a little uncertain. I mean, for example, um, I, I think there's one area where they took a, a really significant liberty, which was with uh, the Andy Harris character, who's the guide who went up there. So you asked about the oxygen. Um, as Krakauer uh, recounts it, um, Andy Harris was, was basically, I mean, he was suffering from, you know, from some sort of, uh, it was probably high-altitude um, cerebral edema or something. Um, and the oxygen tanks were not actually empty. He was just confused. And one of Krakauer's uh, regrets about this whole situation is that he didn't recognize that this guy who he had gotten to be close friends with, who was a guide who really knew what he was doing, yeah. was, was basically losing it, and he didn't do anything about it. Um, uh, and he was the one person who reported they were empty. Exactly. So they, they, they didn't that get it. doesn't in. come out in the film. Well, I, I think they probably just didn't know how to depict that. Um, and then he, uh, we, we know that he died on the Southeast Ridge, um, but we don't really know how he died. So, uh, you know, it, I think that was the one really notable liberty that I saw was, you know, they'd already, uh, they'd already foreshadowed this idea of this paradoxical hypothermia where you think you're burning up and you take off all your clothes. Uh, and so they're like, hey, here's a good, we don't know what happened to him. Maybe that's what happened to him. Maybe so we'll that's him, what happened to we'll him. We'll have him yeah, take off all his clothes yeah. and fall off a cliff. Um, yeah. So yeah. that was really the only thing I saw that wasn't uh, at least attempting to be faithful to the accounts that I've seen. Right. Well, uh, yeah, uh, interesting. A lot of, I mean, what an, first of all, this is such an ensemble piece. It seems like a bunch of that, like Hollywood bro actors were like, let's do a Everest movie and let's like do Everest camp together and all grow beards, you know, like, you know, playoff beards or whatever. Cause Josh Brolin, Jake Gyllenhaal, Sam Worthington, you know, Jason Clark, John Hawks, these guys are, these are all leading men. And they're like, let's do a, let's do this movie. They, they signed up for it for some, somehow. And it never doesn't feel like, you know, expendables where it's ham handed and it's like, Hey, we're all stars. Let's steal the, uh, that's the, the scene that we're in. I, I, it's all, that was a great strength. It felt like an ensemble, you know, and which is hard to do with that much star power. Sam Worthington playing like a small role a couple of years ago. He's the biggest leading man on earth. Yeah, he was the only one where I kind of felt like, really? You know, you couldn't have just, you know, given some new guy a shot? Like, uh, <laughs> it, it didn't really feel necessary for him to be, you know, a, a recognizable face. But, to, you know. To be honest, I think... I'm not sure if this is a casting decision or a directorial decision, but there's so many faces, so many people on this mountain, and there's so much obstruction. It almost helped to have famous faces around to to figure out, you know, who's who. Because I lost track of every character who was not a star. I just did. I just lost track of everybody who wasn't a star. And I kept thinking, oh, Sam Worthington's here. Okay, the guy from Avatar is going to save the day. Okay. Well, I think that they, that's been one of the struggles and probably why it took 19 years to make this movie. 
Uh, I mean, so the, the strength of the Krakauer book, I mean, I think the subtitle is like a, a firsthand account of the Everest disaster. I mean, it, that first person is, is really important to that book, and it's really uh, fed a lot of the controversy about what happened up there. Um, but these guys it, took there... a long time to figure out what, what story they wanted to tell. And it's like, I mean, it was, it was a decision uh, to focus on uh, Rob Hall and Beck Weathers. I mean, I, that, that, was, that was how they focused this sprawling story. Yeah. I mean, 12 well, people died on the mountain that season. So, sure, you know, you could go sure. any number of directions. And I'll be honest, like, this is, you know, this is one of those, when you're writing this script, this is the challenge here is the biopic challenge right which is we have a story a true story a true story for you know 20 25 people what is the scope and the the screenwriting rule for biopics is you figure out whose story you want to tell you figure out what what the triumph is what the triumphant moment is and then you work backwards from there because that's your third act and you know the idea of it being Rob Hall's movie and him not making it out was somewhat anticlimactic. And Josh Brolin, you know, resurrecting out of here was kind of a was 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 a triumphant moment. We needed something. Otherwise, this was a huge tragedy. And so, I mean, when John Hawks, when Doug Hansen dies early on, you're like, whoa, that was, that's bad. And then people start dying left and right. And, I, you know, it didn't feel as triumphant as it could have been if, you know, Rob Halls had survived, right? If his character survived. But, you know, they are hamstrung by the truth. And then you also have to say, well, what you couldn't have just made it Beck Weathers' movie because he wasn't, he wasn't a prominent uh, part of the, the, the teams, you know? Yeah. And the way they, the way they um, portrayed him in the film, he doesn't seem like a really likable character. I mean, he has... <laughs> I, I don't know if... Here and there. Here and there. I don't know if it's because Josh Brolin plays a lot of villains, but every time I looked at him, I just felt like he was going to do something bad. I, I don't know why. Well, I was... I, yeah, because that's where you, you were... Having know nothing about the story, I thought he was, like, responsible for, like, the empty oxygen canisters like i was i was going all out there and it had nothing because because the first half of this movie does have that standard action movie cliffhanger feel to it you know so but then it gets when it started getting more and more tragic and i started realizing people are not going to make it home I'm like all right this is a serious film um should we start doing beats uh yeah, I guess so. Let's, uh, let me just tell you generally. We, oh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Give, Give us your one-up one, one down. down. Yeah, um, I, I thought this movie um, was actually very exciting, even from the start. Um, I guess partially because I've heard a lot about Everest uh, my entire life, but had little interest in it. Because when it's being told to you in verbal storytelling form, I guess it just doesn't, you don't feel the magnitude of what it takes to, to do something like that. Um, so when you start with what I assume is, I, I'm guessing they filmed either near a mountain that kind of looks like Everest or at, you know, at Mount Everest base or whatever mountain they actually used. Um, but it looks epic. That opening shot where you see the mountain and, and you see, you know, how small these people are compared to this giant mountain that they're going to be trekking along. Uh, when you go through the process in the first act and you establish the rules of, all right, no, we need oxygen because the air is way too thin and you might not make it back. And, um, I was on board and, and it was scary to me. It was the fact that I don't know the story. Um, 
and and uh, you know, so I might, so I'm not sure who might make it back. So that was a big strength for me. I was I was kind of hooked in from the beginning, um, kind of like you, David. I, I unfortunately they're kind of down by by fact by history, and I, I just felt that it ended on a on a pretty sour note, and I didn't really I didn't feel like not that I expected not that I expected it to be tied with a nice bow, but uh, Josh Brolin just kind of, his character Beck Weathers getting home and hugging his wife didn't have the same impact that I would have liked. Obviously, Rob Hall coming back and kissing his wife and seeing his daughter, but we don't get the luxury of rewriting history but 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 that's but that we don't get the luxury of rewriting history but we we you can swivel your biopic around the way that you you want and i think that it, this is such a tragic scenario that they needed something positive and that's where the beck story became prominent um the filming locations on imdb they say it's katmandu nepal they say they filmed at mount everest base camp south um so I bet there was some aerial photography. They shot Italy, Nepal. I'm not sure if there's a mountain that they can claim. They don't. They say Kathmandu. So well, really I mean that those were that was definitely Everest that we saw. And and they they um one of the things that they did is uh, they had a fellow by the name of David Brashears, uh, who uh, is a, a very established kind of Everest guide and and has been involved in a lot of these efforts in fact he was involved i think in the in the imax crew um that was filming in 96 when the tragedy happened and they ended up kind of contributing helping out with um you know uh, recovery and stuff um so they had him on as a consultant to kind of try to lend increased authenticity to this whole thing um so i I think they i mean i'm gonna go ahead and do my my ups and downs um like uh, they they tried really hard to be um, you know I, I think to give give this story the respect it deserved and um, I I left the this is going to sound like a weird comparison but I left the theater um, with the same kind of satisfaction that I had after uh, seeing the first um, Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings movie where it was like I had a textual relationship with this story and and I I felt like it was uh, that the director kind of um, honored that um, and so you know I I really liked the way that they handled that. Um, it is a total downer of a movie. I mean, um, I, I, I guess if you're going to focus somewhere, I like that they focused on the just the incredible hubris and this this person. You know, Rob Hall knew better, and and yet he he allowed himself to he he broke his own rule because he liked this guy and he wanted to to get Doug Hansen up the mountain. Um, so you know, it, it's the and would that have saved them if he if he'd stick to stick stayed to the rule that would have saved him and. Yeah, it would have. Probably. Yeah, it, it would have, because you know they, they're not they're not stuck up there, uh, you know, uh, above the Hillary they, they above the Hillary with, step. But they would have been with that other crew who got taken down. But so part of this is, I mean, with both guides dying, um, it's one of the remarkable things about the story. It's yeah. a few people who knew better, and you know, you think about, you know, Rob Hall was was. The, the guide is kind of sweeping up, right? He's bringing all of his clients down. So you think about if you don't have your closer there, who's going to bring the people down? Um, you know, and and so like I think a number of those people probably end up. I mean, maybe it it, it was a bad situation, right? I mean, it was <laughs> that blizzard hit. Um, you might still have had the situation with the the huddle where where several people perished and and Beck almost perished, uh, yeah. but. Like, uh, you know, does Scott Fisher end up dead? You know, it's like he, that's, he was sending people down because he, you know, he, he recognized that he, he didn't have it going. And, and you know, he yeah, wanted I'm to get people off the mountain. I'm still not sure how Jake Gyllenhaal died. I, 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 I couldn't I – lo- I got lost in it. That's actually my down is I, I feel like that story was um, 
like, if you're not going to do that story justice, then don't get Jake Gyllenhaal to play the play the role. Like it, um, and and I'm like, so I was living in Seattle at this point. Scott Fisher was a Seattle guy. I mean, uh, the, there's been a lot of press uh, locally uh, about this. Um, you know, comments from his kids and stuff, and and it doesn't really feel like they did him justice. Like, you know, he, he just. You just get the sense he got got himself tired out, and you know he just kind of like drops out of the movie, you know, partway through. He was pretty cool character, but then he disappears. Yeah. Yeah. So I think his his widow is has kind of um, bristled at the characterization, you know, kind of party boy, and um, I mean he was apparently a very larger than life person, and you know, it, you know, the, you meet these guides, and they're you know they they're these enormous personalities, and I, I don't know that they necessarily did him justice, but maybe you can fill in for us what was left out i mean did he make a mistake what was his mistake got him killed well at least in the movie it felt like he was just trying to do too much you know he's 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 shuttling uh you know customers back down to you know through the ice field uh, or through the ice fall um back down to base camp and uh, instead of being up there you know helping to kind of make the stab at the summit they definitely tried to make hay with the whole crack hour thing and and because those that part was true that the two companies were kind of um quarreling over yeah over who was going to get the outside journalist to go up to the top of the mountain um because you can't you're not going to find another journalist crazy enough to do it well they that was another character they didn't do much with and oh my god the the woman the the woman yeah sandy Pittman. i mean she got eviscerated in crack hour's book i mean she was why uh, um because she was this socialite and she uh pretty much paid herself, uh, you know, paid her way to the top of, of, you know, the seven summits. And, and, uh, you, there's this really quick scene. That's this homage to the crack hour book where you see the lead Scott Fisher Sherpa, um, short lining, like with a short line between uh, him and Sandy dragging her up the mountain and, and crack hour distinctly mentions that moment that he, he saw, you know, this, this Sherpa basically, you know, instead of laying out lines, uh, which is where they lost an hour on the way out. He was dragging Sandy Pittman up the mountain. That was never connected in the film. That's really good because that that seemed like it was just a random. You know, the one thing that didn't seem right to me is that the the Sherpas in this film were not like these awesome superhero types. Like I always understood the Sherpas to be like really great at their jobs, you know, and these guys who could save the day. And uh, they are, you know. The Sherpa lobby should be pissed about uh, their portrayal in this film. Yeah, and that's I think actually one other thing that um, that as far as historical accuracies or, or unknowns, um, nobody really knows exactly what the details of um, like w- what the two guides uh, agreed to as far as laying the line. So they can't really specifically blame ascribe blame as far as those those ropes not being in place when folks got up to the. Uh, to the Hillary step and needed to kind of push on from there. And that was a key delay. I mean, that's, that ended up costing people their lives. Yeah. That, that's something also, it wasn't just the storm. It wasn't just, um, it wasn't just Rob going back, but that delayed them as well. Right. I mean, they had to, they had to re- put that repel thing right in the ice again. They had to set that up. Um, the fact that those weren't there from the start, I think that's why they more so of a reason why they got in the storm. Definitely. I, I could have used a little more education on the plan. You know, I kept I, I I absolutely needed a little bit more orientation in this film, where they are, the steps. We 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 should have had like an obligatory explanation of where what are the steps towards summit. 
I mean, I've tried to make a note of it, um, but all all the all the different you know levels turn it into a video game for us a little bit. You know, Super Mario Brothers level one, two, three, four. You know, to get to the princess. Like, I need to see that stuff because I got a lot of I got confused with what all the goals were because there's also so many people you're following, and something like, I mean. Jeremy, maybe you can lay out like the the you know the five layer levels of hell that they had to get through. Yeah, I mean, um, like I think it's one of the real challenges of of this movie is that, and, and I'm I'm curious to be talking to you guys who don't have a lot of background on it because um, on the one hand you've got this potential for this thing to be this Hollywood blockbuster, but there's a lot of knowledge that comes along with this, and you know, I like. Uh, I, again, I, I have no practical or no actual experience in mountaineering, but. Um, you know, like there, there are these unique set of rules with Everest and going above 25,000 feet. And so, you know, the oxygen thing is a big thing. And um, they the, were Russian, very, the Russian guy did it without oxygen? Yeah, and they were very neutral about that. Like Krakauer was critical of, of um, Anatoly for not doing that. He thought it was selfish uh, and, and that he would have been in a better position if, if he had been on oxygen. That said, they ran out of oxygen and it was helpful to have a guy who was acclimated up there, right? right. So... Um, so that's, you know, there, there, there are things like that w which are just kind of a passing reference in the film, which are in fact like huge debates and there's all this back and forth around it and, and you know, w what is the nature of it? So I, I think they, they, they had a they hard time establishing the rules here. They didn't want to strike that tone. They, you know, we could have had people arguing on the mountain and backstabbing on the mountain and who's letting who down on the mountain and instead of it just being the men versus the mountain, which is, I think, why this succeeds. It, it didn't turn into a cliffhanger. It, it just kept, it, they just kept escalating the, tra the, the mountain as a f different forms of antagonism thrown out by the mountain. But I, I would have appreciated understanding this drama that, that, that you're relaying to us. Yeah, I think that was actually a conscious choice. Like, I mean, I've, I've heard... Um you know, the director even, even say that, you know, they, they were focusing on making the mountain the antagonist instead of each other. So, um, and I agree, it's, it's what allows the film to succeed instead of turning into a, you know, he said, she said kind of thing. Yeah, because we've seen that. I mean, that, that, that's, that's what makes it fresh. That's, what, that's uh, what makes it work is the fact that you're expecting at any moment this huge brawl to go on between, you know, let's say Beck and Rob, you know, because they set Beck up to be a guy who speaks his mind, you know, he's this guy from Texas, you know, he's got a big, a bit of a big mouth and, you know, he paid his way. And, but none of that happens. There's no real confrontation. One of, one of the things that, that they do succeed here is a sense of this very special brotherhood of what's going on to get up this mountain. They all are overwhelmed by this antagonist. They know that the odds are against them. Uh, later on, you know, somebody shares oxygen with them and it's just like a thought, you know, it's not even a second thought. Um, but it's also, you know, it's it was it's also a pretty sort of cold set of rules. Like when Beck is laying there, nobody's helping him because you just can't carry another man. Right. So it's like he better get his act together. Or he's going to leave himself here. So it's. It's it's sort of every man for himself, but it's sort of also a, a brotherhood thing. So right. it's every man for himself, but as they're passing him, and this shows the humanity, you know, just in, 
those group of people specifically that they're like, listen, man, you know, it's, they're, they're, we're going to get you. We just have to, you know, keep moving. It, it, like they just had a, they had a need to tell them that as he's laying there because you know just they they felt like they were one unit even though it's such that if they get delayed even you know the slightest their all their lives are, are you know in danger. Yeah, and I think it, it was difficult sometimes as 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 the the um, shit was really hitting the fan. Uh, I think it was difficult to relay kind of what was going on. So you knew that it was a bad blizzard. But like that huddle, I mean, they wandered around lost for, for a really long time and, and finally just ran out of energy and were, were freezing and, and um, you know, kind of hu- all huddled together. And uh, I think Anatoly went back and, and you saw this in the movie. You saw him, him rescue a few people. Um, but like I think it, he, he said he couldn't even find Beck. I mean, it's like, you know, th- these people are covered in snow, you know, and it's like they're snow blind and it's and it's you, you can't see anything. And it's the middle of the night. And it was it was hard to convey kind of what was happening. And I think you had the same experience, David, with the Scott Fisher thing where he just kind of lies down and you're like, wait, what? What happened? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, how do you how do you show hypothermia on screen? It's it's kind of tricky. Um, you can only have one guy tear off all his clothes and fall off the cliff. Right, right. <laughs> so, 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 the 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 only superhero here was the Anatoly character who actually went up and saved some guys. I mean, yeah, he was. He was. I mean that 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 would have been somebody to focus on, you know. And he was very downplayed. If you're going to do a biopic, have him be more of a major character, you you know. And then then you get a bigger victory if he ends up saving people. That's that's somebody I would want to make a more of a main character. Yeah, that would have been a very controversial movie too, because and, you know, like I said, he penned this book that was this response to the the Krakauer account, and and you know, he's a he's he's a you know, you know alpha male type who climbs Mount Everest. Like you can imagine what his account of what really happened uh, would, would read he's, like. He cr- he was more he was critical of. Yeah, I mean, they've been arguing about what really happened up there for the last 19 years. So it's and it's hard. It's imperfect information. I mean, yeah. they they ha- they did have the radios, so they were able to communicate. Um, you know, one other thing, just like th- there's one part where I think the movie suffers from uh, its its connection to the the true account, and also I think kind of the myth that's emerged around it. And it's it's at the end where you've got. Uh, Rob on the radio, patching through to to Kira Knightley in Australia, and you know that, that those are moving moments. But um, th- that was a very riveting part of the, kind of the the myth of what happened up there. That that he had had these final words with his his wife, and I, I I think it was while it was emotional, it was a lot of scenes of people talking on the phone to one another. You know, and that's that's never great as an emotional fulcrum. I don't think. Yeah, I mean it was. It was tough because they built us a hero who didn't have all that heroic stuff. He he gave uh, Doug Hanson a second try, uh, and we liked him because of that. He seemed to take care of people, um, but in the end, he he ended up getting himself killed and a bunch of people killed. And it's it's and I'm not talking about the real human being. I'm talking about the character in this film. Right. You know, obviously. I don't know what any of these guys are heroic for doing what they did, but in story structure and in trying to, when you're adapting a biopic, you've got to swivel around to find who your heroes are. And, and the, the one person in this film who did th- anything that was somewhat heroic was the Anatoly character. Um, 
because he and and uh, Sam Worthington went up too when he didn't have to. Um, it seems that uh, it seems that Scott Fisher's character by Jake Gyllenhaal was also doing some stuff that you know he put himself out there, but it wasn't clear. I don't know. Can we, let's do beats, man. Yep. yep. Jeremy, why don't you rock on with this? Why don't you take the lead on these? Really? Yeah. I mean, you, you tell me what you think, or you just, or name the beat, and or, and I can. Well, the let's start with the midpoint because you said that's where things really picked up for you. What did you think the midpoint was? It 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 was just the uh, it was after the summit, you know. It was after the summit. The summit of Everest is the midpoint for me. Uh, and yeah. then, because up until that point, there's there's not a lot going wrong at all. You know, there's some coughing, some wheezing, oxygen issues. But after the fun and games of this, this biopic, not very, or not that interesting. And, and they didn't educate me a lot about the... Uh, the mountaineering i wish they would have they were supposed to they had these acclimation ascents right uh, that was kind of like would would function as like training montage stuff and like we could we could have learned a little bit more about mountaineering on those we didn't and so up until for me the summit i was like eh it's like a much higher um production value uh, cliffhanger or whatever yeah, I mean, like, and it's partly why I kind of pitched it back over to you when you, you asked me to take the lead, because I, I, I struggled with how this fits into our Blake Snyder uh, model. I mean, um, the first half of the movie is, is uh, I, I really don't know how it maps exactly. I mean, I think the A story is, uh, it's not to get to the top of Everest, it's to get down alive. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, and, that's, yeah, I, don't, I, th- I mean, the A story is... Rob Hall getting his uh, getting his his uh, clients what they want, which is to the top. But what we forget, what we don't know, is that that's not the hard part. That's only half the battle. Right. And yeah. uh, and you know some of the decisions that his clients made, whether they should have been there in the first place, like uh, was Beck Weathers a good enough climber? Was um, you know, did, was the the competition between Rob Hall and Scott Fisher a factor? All that stuff sort of starts to play into that A story, and that's fine. That's interesting, fun in games. Um, obviously, in a disaster pick, your bad guys close in has to be all the disaster stuff. And I mean, that's if you even if you look at something as simple as Titanic. The midpoint is when the Titanic hits the iceberg. Up until then, we've got a lot of of the uh, character drama. Yeah, I mean, because I, I agree that the midpoint is the summit. Um, and then I, I think the break into three is is Rob's decision to, you know, to carry on with Doug and not to obey his own rules and, and you know, abide by his, his turnaround time. Um, I don't really know what the break into two is. The break in the break in the three—that's too early, or that's too quick. You think? Yeah, I mean, I think the final the break in the three—it's so messy because um, I think the break in the three is Rob when he when he wakes up. But what uh, choice is he making there? I mean, it, it's like the choice has already been I, made. That's why it's pretty passive. I thought I'm I'm waiting for him to get up and go. I'm waiting for him to get up and go, and he does get up and he goes and he claws his way a little bit. He makes two phone calls. 
You know, so it's sort of, uh, they double, they gave us the same thing twice. And uh, then they just sort of shift over to, to Beck Weathers, to Josh Brolin, and say, all right, you take over our third act here. And that's part of the the problem with um, the anticlimactic, <laughs> anticlimactic <laughs> ending to the Everest picture. Um, because... You know, the All Is Lost, I believe, was Doug Hansen dying when he it, when Rob Hall uh, says, you know, Doug's gone, and then after that, everybody's dying. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, then the uh, um, a bunch of people are frozen over. Breaking a three is, you know, it's it's Rob trying to survive, and it's uh, and it's Becca's uh, resurrection. And, uh, you know, a couple of the other guys who we don't not as invested in in terms of this film, um, making it down to the base camp. Um, and I guess I guess Sam Worthington's character trying to get help up there. Oh, the helicopter. Remember the helicopter? Yeah, that's a, that's act three. Yeah, that's, you know, so yeah. I break, break in a two. Um, I mean, there was there's a lot of atmosphere in the beginning. I th- I think you could argue that it's when they start after the uh, the acclimation ascent, and they're like, "All right, we're doing this bad boy." Um, you know, yeah. when it starts to be tough. Uh, long first act, then I guess. Uh, but there was a lot of a lot of a lot of pipe delay. Yeah, I, d- I just don't think this maps very well to, to Blake Snyder. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying about the break into three, but as far as our protagonist, who I think we agree is, is Rob Hall, mm-hmm. um, you know, as far as the decisions he makes, and, and it's, I, it's one of the reasons that this story is fascinating, is that you know, he made a decision at 2.30 uh, p.m. on May 10th of 1996 that ended up costing him his life three days later. You know? And yeah. so like, it was over for him when he made that decision. Um, but that's not the greatest, you know, cinematic setup right there. You know, it's just like, this is the, this is the, this is what we were starting off saying. It's, 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 you know, if you, if you have a biopic where a lot of things go wrong, you've got to pick every single thing that goes right. And you've got to swivel around so that those characters are main characters. Right. So we could have had the Anatoly character being much larger and he could, his third act could have been going up and saving some folks. And, and then you could also have, if you did Anatoly and Beck as much more, much bigger characters. And then we're like, all right, those two got out. And now the third guy, we're ready for Rob to come down and he doesn't make it. It would have been a much more balanced, ironic ending with a positive and a negative charge. Um, instead of a quite a negative charge. I mean, I think the, that just sort of fooling us with the first, um, you know, getting Kira Knightley on the phone and say, Rob, you know, get your ass up, and he does do some walking. I mean, that may have been accurate. That may have been what happened. But for our third act of our film, uh, it didn't. It it did. It's anticlimactic. So. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's just it, it's it's again a, a challenge of the of the facts. Um, you know that it it just like yeah, I, I mentioned the the article by the editor who sent Krakauer up there after they'd figured out that Krakauer was alive. I mean, they were like having you know uh, like cocktail parties, and they were like, "Oh, poor Rob Hall, he's still up there, you know, freezing to death." You know, it, I mean, it took him three days to die. Um, 
you know, I, I did, I did think it was, it was fascinating. Uh, they, they cited some actual things. Like I think that where she says, you, where Kira Knightley says you might as well be on the moon. I think that may have actually been sourced from the actual conversation. And the, that, that, that felt, I, that, I, I, I believe that because I, I remember thinking the visuals that the director chose felt like the moon. I felt I felt like they were stuck on the moon or, or Mars or something like that. Yeah. You know? I felt like they were stuck on another planet and that was haunting for me and I think that was one of the successes of this film for me. Yeah. The other thing when he talks about, you know, he, he keeps referring to um, to Doug as being gone. I, that, that apparently is is how he recounted it over the radio. And, you know, you, you have a couple of, of radio conversations and that's the extent of the the factual information we have as far as what happened to, to rob those, you know, over the course of pretty much after uh, getting down the Hillary step with with uh, with Doug. Um, so I, I don't know. It's I, I love the movie. It's just it, like I, I'm at a loss as far as trying to talk about structure and Blake Snyder and how yeah, it fits. I mean, for me, act one was, you know, meeting everybody, getting to Everest, setting up the uh, personal confrontations um, setting up the different personalities, uh, breaking it to could you could you could say the the beginning of the climbing with the acclimation ascents, or you could say that that's debate or that's warm up, and it's not until they actually start going up Everest that it really begins. Um, fun and games really uh, really. Uh, you know, it's interesting. There's a lot of climbing up, and, and we we get to we get to the summit of Everest. How do you guys feel about that? And just in terms of storytelling, it's really hard to handle the 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 success. I mean, I don't know how to put this, but. You know, they made it to the top of the mountain, which is such a cinematic metaphor for completion, for success, right? And then they jam reality down our throats, which is, oh, in mountain climbing, getting up is not, you know, always the hard part. Sometimes getting down is the hard part. Well, I don't I don't care about that. That's, you know, storytelling, you know... You just gave me a great cinematic metaphor for winning, which is getting to the top of the mountain. And that's just, you know, what audiences understand. That's the, the language of, of, of heroism and, and, and success. And now you're like, well, no, that's, on, that's the halfway point in this movie. And I'm like, wow. Well, luckily, yeah, I was like, all right, well, where do we go from here? And luckily, they gave us a whole bunch of complex... Uh, bad guys close in f- to the point where I'm sitting there like, oh, this is a shit show. Um, because, I mean, once once they get up there, I, I would almost relate it to maybe like a sports movie where, you know. Sports drama. Yeah, totally. You know, saying the, the first act training for this, you know, for this match or whatever it may be, whatever sport we're talking about. Um, and then, you know, finally they, they're, they're winning, they're winning, they're winning. And then fuck, you know, the, the other team is kicking their ass and they're just brutally getting destroyed. And then you're waiting for the comeback. You're waiting for them to, mm-hmm. to make it, to, to pull through. So that's kind of how I would pair it up. Absolutely. That- yeah, great analogy to the sports drama. Yeah, it's it's uh, really interesting for me to, to hear you guys talk about this because, like, I, I and I totally agree with you, David. I mean, it's like this amazing cinematic uh, moment. And I think it was, um, 
in, in an interest, again, of trying to stick to the reality of climbing Everest, um, they, they, they passed on that opportunity. I just, I, like, I, I looked up the, the Everest article that Krakauer wrote. I'm just going to quickly read this, the opening paragraph. Sure, that, maybe you can is, link to it. We'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah, but this is exactly, I mean, so this is what it's like to, to reach the top of Ed, Everest. Straddling the top of the world, one foot in Tibet and the other in Nepal, I cleared the ice from my oxygen mask, hunched a shoulder against the wind, and stared absently at the vast sweep of earth below. I understood on some dim, detached level that it was a spectacular sight. I'd been fantasizing about this moment and the release of emotion that would accompany it for for many months. But now that I was finally here, standing on the summit of Mount Everest, I just couldn't summon the energy to care. (laughs) No, you're exhausted. You're in pain. That was a great line in the film, suffering. He's like... We're suffering. He's like, I'm not happy at home, but I'm happy suffering up here. I felt that in the movie. Yeah. This is just pain, you know? Well, we keep using the word anticlimactic, and it's, uh, and it's what I think is such an interesting take on this. This is a screenwriting challenge, is that this is an anticlimactic story. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's highly dramatic, but it's, it's anticlimactic. Um, so, Because uh, even, even in a tragedy, you can have a tragedy that has a climax that is that is satisfying okay sure. you know romeo and juliet has a, a, a climax they escape together they escape and then there's a tragedy towards the end but finally they are together and they've escaped their two families and the families have battled it's still a climax it's the inevitable climax um I think they we got we we got in trouble with all the different characters. We didn't know who to follow, who was the hero, and we were rate, waiting for Rob Hall to be saving people's asses up there. I think also I, I now I'm thinking about another matchup that I was thinking about is I don't know if you remember the Oliver Stone film uh, World Trade Center mm-hmm. because and the reason I'm matching that up is because if you think that was based on a true story as well, right? Yeah. And, and it was it was you know obviously it wasn't a natural disaster, it was a terrorist attack, but you have this story of these two characters helping each other. Um, and I think the reason why that may have worked, it's been a while since I've seen the film, but from what I remember, is because you're focused on these two characters in this specific situation, going through, you know, stuck in this specific place, whereas here, like you were saying, David, like, there were a lot of characters. I don't, I'm not really sure why we had cuts to Beck's family. That was very, it was a bit, it was definitely, it was definitely redundant. Two wives waiting for for their guy. Um, preferred, you know, you learn about the other characters a little bit through their dialogue, through their interactions. I, I would have liked to see more of that, perhaps, and not so much cutting away to like, oh, he has kids, and let's show, you know, that he that, that you know his wife is also, you know, you know, thinking about maybe leaving him or all that stuff. Like, hey, cutting back to her. If you were going to use two wives and two men. That should have been the core of the film. That should have been everything. If you wanted to say one of these guys came home, the other one didn't, then the movie should have been about their relationship. It should have been about Beck and and Hall's relationship and talking about their families and how important their families are. Um, I mean, and somewhere, I mean, of course, this is just lost in the hamstring of of being hamstrung by adapting reality. But if you're going to create a feature film and not a documentary, you need to obey some of these larger storytelling rules to satisfy your audience. Yeah, I agree. I, I, Robin Wright was the other character that, I mean, I love her. I, I'll, I'll look at her all day. But it's like 
the the it was an unnecessary to have like that much horsepower in that in that role like because it just it just felt like it was tacked on yeah yeah and anytime you cut away from everett it just deflates it's like no no i'm excited why are we cutting away from this exciting place and going to some town and I needed some. I needed a break. I was getting snow blind. I was getting snow blind up there. Like I was like, where are? I was very disoriented. I'm, you know, in an action film, it's really important to orient your audience. And every time they cut to the map, I kept staring at the map. I'm like, please, like, just point to where they are. Please point to where they're supposed to go. Please name these places so that I know. I know what success is. I know what failure is. Um, you know, you kept talking, you keep mentioning the Hillary step. I know that was important. I know they started off in the ice, uh, the moving ice area. Um, I know where the summit is. Um, but, but other than that, um, you know, I, I was pretty lost. Yeah, you almost needed a little like, uh, like an orientation video at the front end. But uh, that's, that, disaster movies always have that. They have yeah. the obligatory scene with the, with the professor... Uh, saying, all right, here's the, the comet is coming. We need to drill into it before it gets past this point. And, you know, just give us the plan because we you have to proceduralize this thing. It's very sophisticated of what's happening here. Um, not to mention we're following half, a, you know, two dozen people. Right. And although it might seem like, you know, I'm sure someone who's writing this like, ah, oh, that's a trope. We're going to have that scene where that guy just explains everything on a board. But you kind of... It's a, it's a convention. It's a genre convention. Um, and, I mean, if, if I'm trying to think if Titanic had an explanation. I, oh, yeah, he, absolutely. Remember that they had actually a scene where he takes out the map, remember, of the Titanic. Yeah. Like, we're flooded here, here, here. If we flood here, it's, you know, the, the, the tail goes up. They, they absolutely had that scene. Right. Um, and, they, and, and Jack and Rose are like, before they go somewhere, they're able to say, we need to get to this place. We need to get to this boat. The problem with the Everest is that these people can't talk to each other. Right. Um, there's very I mean, I didn't even buy the little amounts of talking they did do to each other. I was like, I don't think anybody's talking up there. Jeremy, do you know anything about I mean, can they talk to each other up there? Um, I think it's pretty hard. And I think that's been uh, something that's kind of um, been a problem with the mountain climbing genre all along. I mean, um, uh, that's another reason I think I, I really like this movie is because there's literally never been a good climbing movie before. <laughs> um, and I mean, have you guys ever seen the Iger sanction? Like it's highly entertaining, uh, mm-hmm. but like it, it's ridiculous. I, I mean, it's like they couldn't figure out how to make a movie just about Clint Eastwood climbing uh, the North Face of the Iger. So they were like, well, let's let's wrap in like a murder, like spy thriller <laughs> thing. Somebody's got, yeah, somebody's got to be uh, yeah, trafficking drugs or backstab, you know, get, gonna murder someone yeah um uh what is the while we're at it what are what are the seven summits Ooh, um like what what does that mean or yeah yeah it's it's uh it's this this thing that kind of came in vogue uh where you would climb the highest uh to the highest point in each uh each continent so um uh, I know that it's uh, Denali. Let's make sure we got that name right because oh, we've just Denali renamed. was uh, recently uh, McKinley was recently renamed Denali, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's it's Denali, um, Mount Blanc, uh, Mount Everest, uh, Kilimanjaro, uh, Acon- uh, Aconcagua. I think it's Vincent on um, in the Antarctic. That's right. And. Uh, Koskiuso, I'm probably not pronouncing that right, in uh, Australia. Uh-huh. 
Uh, do I have that right? Yeah, you've got it all. You've got them all. I'm looking at the wiki. Elbrus? Yeah, they've got nine on the wiki, so um, <laughs> the, the seven slash nine summits, whatever uh. that means. <laughs> Depending on your definition. Yeah. So, and it was uh, it was a guy by the name of, of, of Rick Bass who was the first pe- person to accomplish this feat, and I think it happened in like 1985. So, uh, you know, you, you had that, and then you had um, you know, Rob Hall, who was kind of the pioneering guide who, who invented um, guiding, you know, the people who weren't necessarily accomplished mountain climbers up to the top of Everest, and kind of the convergence of those two events uh, was what ended up leading to this this disaster. So, so this these people were not all that well, you know, professional mountaineers. That was the whole point that of this. There was a sort of subplot about. Um, their company not doing very well this year if they don't get their customers up to the summit of which i was sitting there you know already like like who gives a shit you know like these this is like i already felt these men fighting that mountain yeah and i uh, partly this is why Krakauer's book um pissed so many people off because he i, I think he questioned uh, whether or not some of these folks should have been doing it. And it was probably easy to question if it, Sandy Pittman should be climbing. I mean, you know, if, if she's getting dragged up, okay. Um, but some of these other folks, I mean, yeah, okay, so so Beck had a pretty bad climb, but, you know, he he had done a lot of climbing before then. Um, you know, Yusuko Namba, like, right. she, she was going to be the oldest person. She was the oldest person ever to accomplish the seven summits, I believe. Um, and, you know, and, and so, you know, th- there's there's a lot of, and I think they tried to kind of capture that that sense of reverence that Rob has for her effort. Um, there's a lot of focus when they're on the summit of him kind of like acknowledging yeah, her. That was nice because otherwise the the female characters are pretty lacking in this film, um, and we don't get to know Yosuko that well. Um, but it's it is just acknowledged that she she's like one of the ones that are the most respected and. Um, but I don't, you know, we just don't know that she did anything. Um, they didn't turn her into a main character with any heroic choices or anything like that. But we don't really get to know anyone that well. I, there's one scene where we have an opportunity to learn about people. I don't remember it. I, I, I remember they were having, I think, drinks together. Is that right? And they were all together and saying, why do you do this? You know, and she was saying, well, you know, I did this summit and that. So he's like, no, 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 no that's not what I'm talking about. Why? Like, what? What's? Oh yeah, yeah. I would, I, I would have loved to hear everybody's real fucking answer. Yeah, that was a great opportunity to have these characters interact and get some, I don't know, just amazing character interact. It's, it could have been a great scene um, developing these characters. It didn't happen that way, but that was a missed opportunity in my opinion. They were just pulled in so many different directions. I mean, like, I don't think that. I mean, they they spent a lot of time on. Um, on Doug's character, and it's because he he is such a crucial player in the sense that he's the one who, you know, he kind of, uh, you know, Rob goes along with it, and 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 you know that's what throws everything off. But like, is that the most interesting person up there? I I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, I understand why they did it, but it, it it's it's just hard when you got this huge ensemble and you got the the fact of all these people being up there, and I mean. Eight people died that night, like, or, or, or were in the process of dying that night. Um, they didn't even feature all of them. They had to make some choices along the way. Well, all right. So let's 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 get back to the screenwriting piece here. I mean, these were this is an adaptation. It was a biopic. It was a disaster film. 
Um, so, uh, I'd go so far as to say it was almost... It had a lot of aspects of suspense, almost like a horror film in the second half of all these things happening. It, the mountain almost felt like a monster to me that was... Uh, all of all of the safety that they'd established in the first half getting up the summit all flew away and um i don't know let's let's just do our sum ups of uh, of the film i don't know anything we want to say positive negative i i enjoy I, I was riveted by the second half of the story because i wanted to know what happened to a lot of these people i i got to know them enough that i cared about all these stories I didn't get to know them enough that I was emotionally moved when people were lost and when people were saved. But I I got to know them enough, and I think this must be the bar for Hollywood Blockbuster, is good enough writing that people buy in and they say, the movie was good. So that's kind of where I'm going to la- land. The movie was good. Yeah, I mean, kind of just going off what you just said, David, um, sometimes, and I think all the things we were saying while they might be valid regarding how you could have developed the characters more, you could have had a bigger scene where they're interacting, you could have had a scene where they're explaining every little detail. There is something to the subtlety of this film that at the end of the day, it pulled through, it worked for me, because while it didn't have a nice happy ending, it didn't tie together, and while some of the characters were not fully developed, it had a, it felt it felt real to me, and it also felt... Um, it worked. It pulled. It just felt authentic. Where I think if it would have had those elements that we discussed, it may have felt too movie, meaning just too. Um, I don't know. Like we've seen it a million times, and it, it would have had a different feel. And, and I think in this case, it, it worked for the, for, for the better. For the, for the better, just because it was fresh. It was a fresh. Um, it was a fresh take on something that we could have had turned over into like a Titanic where everything was uh, a love story and, you know, it's tied in like that. And this wasn't about that. It was about, no, this happened. And, you know, these are the characters. But I think it fell prey to what Jeremy, you were saying, which is that the mountain as an antagonist, the mountain disaster film, there's something problematic about it. There's a number of things that are problematic about it. Yeah, it's just not it's not conducive to character interaction. Right. I mean, because this is even though you're with a team, you're with a team. It's this solitary activity. You're just kind right. of you know, the, struggling the, the your way up there. The filmmakers are like, oh, the cinema will be great. The imagery, all that. Yes, visually, but you know, as we know, screenwriting is about story, and stories about character and and conflict and. Uh, revealing character through choices under pressure and it's hard to do that when we don't know the character the choices they're making we can't hear the dialogue um and uh i mean they could have done a better job of visually you know setting us up to understand the choices that are being made even if they aren't speaking but yeah, and, and I think that's that's kind of um, where I land with my my final point on this. I agree with all the criticisms that, that we've we've discussed. I love the movie. Um, I feel like I also came into the movie with a sense of what the rules were going to be. Um, and 
you know, you shouldn't have to have read books on something to understand what the rules are. So I think that is it's a it's a flaw in the movie that, that we didn't clearly understand what it was. But I thought it was a gripping um, character story about Rob Hall and and making a bad choice, making a really bad choice. Um, and, 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 you know, you're impaired up there. Like it's one, another mm. thing that they, they couldn't really get into is just mm. like your brain is not working. And so there are a lot of things that go into that, that bad choice. I mean, it, like I, I have no idea what I would do in that situation. I don't ever want to be in that situation. But, um, like, I think it's, it, it's, uh, it, if, if the filmmakers could do it all over again, if they could somehow take us a little deeper into this world so that we understood the rules and understood yes. kind of what, what Rob was really doing as things fall to pieces. And what um, kind of I, things I think would it would have strengthened the, day, the movie. Once things did fall to pieces, um, you know, couldn't, you know, yeah. I kept thinking, why can't they like shoot some oxygen up there? Or, you know, why isn't there a hose? Like things like that. Like, like where, why isn't there a, a way to save the day? So yeah, the rules of this universe could have been explained a little bit more. And the, you send a helicopter up there, you know, like that, that yeah. they explain late, late in the film, you know, what, what were most people understand, okay, it's the altitudes too. But for the average person, I, if you're sitting in that theater by the third act, when, when she yeah. mentions the, with the helicopter, she's like, Oh, you're so silly. We can't send a helicopter up there. I was thinking, Oh yeah. Why the hell yeah, not? Or but, why couldn't they parachute some dudes in there? I don't know. With some oxygen. I don't know. But, but yeah, I, agree. you know, the, the one other thing that though, that like, I, I do think, um, and, and this is, I don't know if this is useful for people, but, but what, one of the things I took away from it um, was like, okay, so it took 19 years after the, the events that inspired this to finally make a good movie. Um, they, they tried to make Into Thin Air in the late 90s. I think it was terrible. Um, nobody saw it. Um, so you got 19 years and you've got this aesthetic distance from the event. And, and, you know, a lot of times something happens and people think like, well, you know, when's the book going to come out? When's the movie going to come out? I think this is a nice example of why it's good to have some distance from the actual events if you're going to base something on what really happened because you can really process the story. And I just like I, I commend um, everybody involved in the movie for for I think getting the story pretty much right, you know, and, but it, it required that aesthetic distance before they could do it. film now it's uh, i think it's timely i mean everest has been um you know th there was in uh you know in in i guess 2014 they they had that massive avalanche that killed all those sherpas the sherpas ended up basically um going on strike and shutting down the mountain because um this last the year you know the, the well no because it's like this is this is garbage like this is a highly deadly workplace that we're in and we don't even have like decent benefits and you know you got clients paying sixty five thousand dollars to get to the top and we're you know like we die and our families are screwed so um so so they 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 had this kind of big watershed event in, in 2014 and then things got even worse in 2015 with the with this avalanche and i think the future of everest is in doubt so uh, I mean, I was looking at the rank, you know, the the revenue uh, on, on this, and it was the number four movie this this weekend. Um, not not really killing it, right? But it's like, um, you know, this this is a little bit of a niche of a niche issue. I mean, it, if it's if it's finishing behind Hotel Transylvania two, you know, uh, clearly they're not killing it in the box office. But um, you know, I think it's an appropriate time because the future of Everest is seriously in doubt, and this is a good time to introduce the general public to the travails of, of, of trying to, you know, climb up above 25,000 feet. Yeah, and the story of Rob Hall and Hall and Into Thin Air.
I think it's a, a great place to uh, to end it there. Um, Jeremy, I feel enormously enriched by your research <laughs> and explanation of the universe. Uh, having seen the movie, I feel like I, I get a lot more out of it. And that's I, I wish they'd put that in. But thank you very much. Yeah, I'll, uh, you'll have to send my father a thank you card. I will. <laughs> I give him my best. I, I will. And um, uh, I think that's it for us, guys. Uh, this is The Script, the official podcast of the NYC Screenwriters Collective. The Script is produced by Jordan Rosengarten and David Negrin. You can follow us on Twitter at ScriptFeed. If you're in New York City, you can come to NYC Screenwriters Collective workshops. Go to www.screenwriterscollective.org or our Facebook page under NYC Screenwriters Collective. You can support The Script Podcast at patreon.com slash thescript. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you.